You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Please remember that all of the information in this podcast episode is limited to general information only. That means the information is not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So you should seek the advice of a licensed and trusted financial professional before acting on the information. And before you acquire or apply for a financial product, please read the PDS or product disclosure statement, which should be available on the issuer's website. Lastly, please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance. Jason, thank you so much for joining me on the Australian Finance Podcast today, all the way from sunny New Zealand. Hello. It is really sunny here today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm very jealous sitting here in Melbourne looking at the gloomy skies, but uh, lucky you're over there. Uh, for context, I've just flaunted our wealth outside the window by just showing Kate the, the blue skies and the water. Yeah, it's a beautiful day here, here today, but it's probably going to snow in the next couple. So we'll, we'll take what we can. Oh my gosh, like two seasons in a week. That's crazy. <laughs> awesome. Well, I want to talk to you today about some interesting topics that we've had a lot of listeners ask about, which is sort of balancing multiple jobs, uh, using tools to balance your finances, because I think a lot of the content we talk about is aimed at people with that traditional nine to five that can easily sort of just plug and play. They can work out their budget based on a fortnightly or monthly salary, and it's all pretty straightforward. But when it comes to people working side hustles, maybe doing some Uber deliveries, maybe they're just working three days a week at one company, two days at another, it can all get a little bit more complicated. So I've got Jason, who is a little bit of an expert on this topic, to talk about this today. So hopefully it'll be a fun conversation and it'll help people that are in that position as well. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on your show. Awesome. Well, Jason, to kick it off, I know you're a little bit of a tech nerd, so it'd be great to have a quick intro to you and Pocketsmith and what you do all day. Okay. Well, we make software that helps people make good decisions by answering questions about their money. So this could be small things like how much did I spend on coffee last month to big things like how much will I have in three years if I made some changes or how do I track my taxes for my Airbnb? 
we connected all the major Australian banks to help automate the money management process for Australians. How did you end up running this company? Well, we founded it 13 years ago, and the idea was very simple. We were looking to make a very simple app that would help people forecast their finances and look at their money in a calendar. And that feature is still in our product today. But just over the years and listening to what our customers needed in order to get better clarity over their money, we've learned that personal finance isn't a one-size-fits-all problem to solve. And everyone has their own journey. Everyone looks at their money in their own different way. And so that's why we've got Poxmith today, which is really a product with many features that our customers can snap together. They can design a solution that helps them at any point in their life with the problems that they want to solve with their money. And I think that's a really important point to acknowledge that personal finance is just so personal and you have to be able to customize it to your own needs and objectives because just slapping on like an approach that's worked for someone else just might not work for you. So it's really important to sort of think about how you can integrate something into your own life and a system that works for your needs and objectives. Yeah, that's very true. And historically, that would have been the spreadsheet. But again, there are people who work very well with spreadsheets, but it still takes a lot of work, takes a lot of time. But and beyond this, we're learning increasingly that personal finance isn't entirely personal too. You have multiple stakeholders in your finances. So if you're in a family or you're, you've got a partner, there are multiple people who need to understand how your finances are working. And so that's where our product is going. It's about letting, for example, we can make multiple dashboards with simplified views of your money for some people, complex views for other people. The key thing is in communicating your financial situation in amongst the people that you care about and that you want to take care of. So let's talk about that modern dilemma of balancing multiple jobs and incomes. What is your take on this? What are your tips? How do you think that people could approach this better? It's generally, it's a great thing because technology today allows us to pursue different vocations and passions. And it's exciting because we've got options, right? It's been said that the future of work is 60, 30, 10. And that means in terms of your income split, 60% comes from your main hustle, 30% from your side hustle, and 10% from your passion or learning project. And what this means is that we get to choose where and how we invest our time now. So we get to evaluate the job in terms of what it brings to us. And it's not just in terms of income, but happiness and personal satisfaction and personal development. The challenge, though, with multiple incomes is that we need to be now more financially skilled because instead of one steady paycheck, as you mentioned earlier, easier to budget for, we have to manage multiple and possibly variable paychecks. And if we don't handle this well, we could end up in a worse financial situation, uh, which just makes the whole thing a lot less pleasant. What are some strategies that you've seen people use um, that have been successful in managing their finances when they don't fit into that traditional approach? Well, the biggest challenge with that non-traditional model is the unknown, right? So there are bigger risks when you don't have a single predictable paycheck for one job. So it's important to have a system to keep things organized. I think there are three golden rules for how to approach unconventional finances. And I'll list them here and I'll expand on them. So the first one is to separate each income stream into its own bank account. The second one is to track everything. And you'll find that this is a bit of a theme for what we're going to be talking about today. And the third one is to make a plan. So the first one, keeping a separate account for each income means that you can easily track the balances and the transactions related to each of those hustles. 
So what we're doing is making sure that both the incomes and expenses related to the hustle are all in one account. And right off the bat, you'll be able to check on the health of each of your hustles. If we don't do this, when everything is slumped in together, it's much harder to untangle the activity. And it's also harder to understand what's doing well and what's not. So secondly, tracking everything. I think it's already important to do this for your regular finances, but it's even more important when you've got multiple incomes. So because you want to understand which expenses relate to which incomes, so you know at a basic level whether or not you're earning more than you're spending for each income stream, the separate bank account will help, but some software like Pocketsmith will give you additional insights and help you make better decisions. The third one, now making a plan, is where it gets fun. If the different income streams are variable, predicting income can be harder, which increases the risk that we're not making enough to sustain our lifestyle. So most people with side hustles already commit to a compromise of some sort while they're trying to get their secondary incomes off the ground, but it can be very stressful if things don't pan out and the stress just sucks the joy right out of the endeavor. So before we take the leap, it's always best to plan and make a forecast for what you expect to earn and spend from each side hustle. So I personally like to set a baseline for what I expect to earn and then budget to live by that baseline and anything above that can either be reinvested or saved. So I've I've got, I suppose, a personal anecdote here with regard to setting a baseline and what happened over COVID. We have an Airbnb and prior to, to buying the property, which is actually just next door. And we wanted to have this place really for our friends and family to stay. But, you know, in the off season, if there's nobody there, uh, it'd be great to Airbnb out. It was also a chance to learn more about uh, one of our customer personas, which is the everyday entrepreneur or sometimes the accidental entrepreneur where someone uses a, a product to make money. It's suddenly very easy. There's revenue coming in and then uh-oh, I've suddenly got a business and, and what do I do from here on in? So walking a mile in those shoes, it was, you know, it's been a lot of fun. When we wanted to make a call on whether or not to invest in the property, we weighed up the risks and realized that we did not want to rely on the revenues from the Airbnb to cover the mortgage because we just didn't know. And it would just be too stressful to have to keep it going in the event we had to close it down. So the baseline was that we would be able to finance uh, the repayments on the mortgage and anything we earned from the Airbnb was cream that was on top of uh, that baseline. And whatever we earned, we would use to offset the mortgage or reinvest into the business. And it turns out that this you know, worked out really well for us when COVID happened in March of last year, we lost two months of bookings right off the bat because so living here in New Zealand, about 60, 70% of our guests are from Australia. It's <laughs> so when the borders shut, yeah. all the bookings just disappeared. And we got a taste of what the hospitality sector in both Australia and New Zealand has, has encountered where, oh my gosh, you know, all the revenues, the, the predicted revenues are gone. So while you can make a plan, it's always great to have a baseline. And we certainly would have been a lot more stressed throughout COVID had we not set that bar. So yeah, make a plan. And uh, uh, before you take the leap... <laughs> Yeah, I think sometimes we can uh, jump into side hustles and spend thousands of dollars before even realizing, hey, does someone want this product or service? So <laughs> I think it's, yeah, it's really important to plan and actually think about some of the numbers before diving in. And it's not really a side hustle if it costs you thousands of dollars and doesn't really make you any money. Yeah, if it's in- intensely pleasurable for you as a side hustle, then, you know, by all means, but you're right. If you're looking at it as a revenue stream, then it really needs to be making you money. 
I think it's interesting the other point you said about the accidental entrepreneur because there's so many apps now that people can rent out their pool, their garage, mm-hmm. their car park spot, their spare bedroom, like even their items. It's just amazing like all these sudden revenue streams that you could potentially have that five years ago didn't exist or you hadn't even thought about. Yeah, it, it certainly opens up so many options for people. But then the risk is then you end up being one of what I understand from accounts is, is a, a large proportion of people who don't declare their incomes <laughs> and who are living in fear of uh, the ATO of the, or the IRD coming in to hunt down those back taxes. So I think we are not educating people quickly enough about how to navigate the world of managing multiple income streams, which is, I guess, exactly why you've put this topic together for the show. It's fun, but it's worth thinking about the ramifications of earning that extra money. And it's not really that complex. It's just about having a plan, really. Yeah. And that probably brings me to another point I wanted to talk about, which is how to managing those taxes and obligations that come from having multiple income streams. Because when you're working your traditional job, I'll say that in quotation marks, um, <laughs> the employer usually deals with all the taxes and your superannuation for you. But suddenly, if you've got multiple income streams, maybe you're a sole trader, maybe you're delivering Uber Eats, you have to start dealing with some of the that stuff yourself, which is something you have to educate yourself about. And that's another thing to think about, isn't it? Yeah. So, and it's okay to not know the answer. The thing that you really ought to do is quite simple. Record everything related to your additional income and have a good system for getting the information you need. So nobody expects you to know all the ins and outs of taxes. Uh, they're, They're experts for that. There are probably websites that can help you do that. But if you have the data, then you're okay. It's when you don't have that information or you don't have the receipts that stuff starts to get quite stressful. You must be able to categorize your incomes and expenses as well. So when it comes to tax time, you've got a clear record of what you need to report as income and what is, most importantly, what's deductible as well. Making a habit to do this on a regular basis so that when tax time comes, you're not digging through transactions and receipts from months ago. The classic shoebox. <laughs> yes, the shoebox comes to mind. It's also probably a very moist shoebox because there's a lot of sweat kind of falling oh my into gosh. it. <laughs> I don't need it's, that image, Jason. It's a disgusting situation. And you know, those of you who've been in there rooting through receipts, you know that you do not want to be in that situation when tax time comes again. So yeah, just doing it on a regular basis. I mean, like even with a system like Pocketsmith, I go back in and I'm like, what in the world did I spend this, you know, like a couple hundred bucks on? And I kick myself for like not just making a note of it at that point in time. So yeah, to use my Airbnb example again, we use Pocketsmith to track all the incomes and expenses coming and going from the bank account linked to the Airbnb. And we make it a habit to upload all the receipts to the transaction. So if you were to buy potted plants, for example, you put the plants up, looks really nice. Very tempting to go, okay, I'll just deal with the finances later. No, snap the photos, upload it, put a note, it's done. And so when all the transactions are categorized, and I think the motivator here is to understand what's deductible, right? Because then it reduces your tax liability. So knowing also what the personal expenses are from our Airbnb account. So if we were to pay ourselves or to treat ourselves to something, what is not deductible, but other things like utilities, cleaning supplies, firewood, treats for the guests, that sort of thing, all of that gets categorized as we go. And so when it comes to tax time, I click a button, I run one report and voila, there it is. No sweaty shoebox. 
Yeah, I think that's really important. Like in the past, I have kind of kept a digital file, but it hasn't really been very organized. And it's every time you get to June and July and you're thinking about taxes again, it's such a pain to go, hey, I should have done this a year ago. So doing even setting a calendar reminder in every month to go through this and update it. And I think it's especially important if you have multiple income sources, because you might have different deductions that are applicable to each one. And looking at sources like the Australian Taxation Office, ATO's website, will tell you what you're allowed to deduct for different types of income sources as well. Yes. And that should be the motivator. It's no fun doing this just because, oh, it's tax time. So I think having the deductibles as a carrot, you know, that certainly drives me. I'm like, oh, that's one more thing I can actually deduct if I put this in the house. And so it gives me that slight additional motivation to make sure that it's recorded. So what it If we're thinking about setting goals and, as you mentioned, making a plan, what are some of the different methods that we can use if we have multiple income streams or side hustles and all of that, different methods to use towards saving for goals when we can't do something like, say, if I've got my nine-to-five salary, I can set up an automatic transfer. So when my salary hits each month, $500 goes into my savings or investment account. If I can't do that because maybe I'm a freelancer and I just don't know what income's coming in this month, what are other ways we can use to work towards saving and investing goals when we don't know exactly what's coming in? That's a very good question. And it is a very tricky situation because variable incomes mean variable savings and your goals need to be attainable based on those expected earnings. So my one key method would be to treat your side hustle like a business, which I think you should inside hustle as a business and pay yourself when you can. So I think there are three steps you can take to make this happen. Uh, the first one is to budget for your monthly expenses. So you need to understand how much it costs for you to earn this income. To your point, you might be sort of spending yourself into a hole. So understanding the expenses is very important. And this is effectively your break-even number, which means that you'll need to make more than this to save. And then add to that a buffer or an emergency fund. So how much money your hustle can access if it needs it? And this means that if you need to reinvest it in something or if you you earn less than expected, you've got that spare cash in that account so that your, your account doesn't go below zero. Anything beyond this is money that you can use to pay yourself and put into your savings, which should sit in a different account. So the key idea is to understand when you have a surplus and what it means to have a surplus. So surplus is, is obviously in this case more than just zero in your bank account, you need to earmark stuff for your overheads, if there are overheads, and again, that emergency fund, and then make a plan to bank a proportion of it. Because again, as with any business, you need to reward yourself. And setting a rule for that makes that side hustle a lot more enjoyable. And if you're not rewarding yourself, then you need to ask the question as to whether or not that side hustle is paying off, literally. The beauty of variable income is that you technically have an unlimited upside as well. So, you know, versus your standard paycheck, if you do really well, you could hit your savings goals a lot quicker than expected. And so that's always important to bear in mind. Mm. And I know a lot of people, if they are saving for a big goal, maybe like a, a first home deposit or a car, they might take on extra work or a side hustle or some some Uber deliveries. Just they might plan exactly, I'm going to do this for six months so I can save extra for my goal, and then I'm going to stop. And I thought that was quite a good approach where you put a timeline so you know, hey, I'm going to get my weekends back eventually. I'm only doing this for a set period of time to reach a goal. 
Yeah, yeah. That I think that's a really important thing to note too, because you could get carried away, and particularly in these times, it's so important to look after your own well-being and to assess, probably on a regular basis, is this working out? Because it is a passion project, and you might be lucky enough to be one of those people living in the sixty thirty ten rule, where you've got the side hustle, you've got the passion project, and you love doing it. And really, that should be. I mean, not not all of us are fortunate enough to have a side hustle that is a passion project. To your point, sometimes it's just about finding a bridging solution or something that helps you bring in additional income. So, very important to your point to set some goals and to give yourself the option to step back if you've hit them. I think that's that's really important to think about, and especially like as you said, mental health. And I think sometimes we can over side hustle or hustle <laughs> with multiple, we take on too many different jobs or yeah. commitments and then we can burn ourselves out, which might mean we end up spending more money just because we're not in a place we can manage it in a healthy way. And so I think that's another really important thing to think about is not going too far in either direction. Yeah. And that's probably not talked about very much when it comes to personal finances, right? Usually it it is about the attainment of a goal or how do we get into the housing ladder or all of these things, but very little is, is said, I think anyway, about what it means to be happy because that's really where we all want to be. And different people have very different perspectives on, on what it takes to attain happiness. And it isn't always about having a lot of money or a house. Sometimes the absence of financial stress is happiness. Yeah. And I think financial stress is a major thing that affects people's well-being, especially their financial well-being. So it's an important thing to think about. And if you can use a tool like a budgeting software, or even if you want to use a spreadsheet to actually just know what's coming in, what's coming out. So you know, you're in a position to meet your rents and obligations every month that can really alleviate some of that pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, to pick the solution that suits you is, is really important. And that depends on just how complex your finances are. So if we were to try to figure out, like, I mean, we're talking here about Poxmith, we're talking about spreadsheets, but really the temptation for some is to just jump right into a software package or a solution and sort of work your way around it. But I think it's so important to determine first what you want to know, what you need to know, and what are some of those questions you need answered in order to have that clear picture of where you're headed. And then you find the right solution that fits. Otherwise, it really becomes a bit of a chore trying to make the solution fit your situation. So for some people, pen and paper could suffice, right? It's just about writing down your commitments. And very quickly, the goal is to outgrow that solution and then understanding what some of the pain points are, which then helps you understand what you need to upgrade to. Well, Jason, after your 13 years of um, helping people manage their money better at Pocketsmith, what would be your number one takeaway strategy for listeners who are balancing multiple incomes this year and beyond? If there's one thing I'd love for you to to take away from this podcast is record keeping is the best thing you can do when you're managing multiple incomes. There are so many ways to spend and receive money from your different jobs and you can design a system that suits you best, but always keep records so you can find the information that you need. You don't know what you need to know And when the question arises, you'll be able to answer it and you cannot answer it without data. So save everything. Use your data for good. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) 
<laughs> instead of all the tech giants t- using our data for bad and to advertise to us, use it for a good and a positive reason, I think. Yeah, yeah. We've got an opinion piece about this. So the, the consumer data right over in Australia has been a really good thing. So it's a step towards open banking. It's a step towards giving the consumer access to their data because we currently don't really own our data with the banks. You kind of get access to it. And then when you close your account, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> All the tools that you use to, to interpret your data, it's gone. So that's happening here in New Zealand next year, we hope. And um, it's a really good thing for consumers. It's a really great thing for people with side hustles because it means that you can get clarity over all of that information so that you can focus more on taking care of your side hustle and yourself and less about trying to obtain that data, which is so crucial uh, for you to be able to run a tight ship. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And if people want to learn more about you and Pocketsmith, where should they go? please go to our website, pocketsmith.com. And we've got a wonderful blog with lovely articles about all sorts of things that we're geeking out about, about culture and money and tips and that sort of thing. And drop us a line if you want to get in touch. Awesome. And I think if they if they want to know about virtual reality headsets, they, they know who to contact <laughs> now. Jason's the man for that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yes, I am. <laughs> well, thank you again for coming on the show today, Jason. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And uh, we hope that the lockdown lifts and that you get to go outside and get a bit of sun and and fresh air. Fingers crossed the time this episode airs. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, 
designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.